This podcast is vulgar. It may contain the occasional swear word and some terrible, terrible accents. And perhaps the old scene of a graphic nature. But if you're into that kind of thing, please keep listening. Previously on the Mystery Murder Mystery. She says she knows what she saw. The unmistakable contours of Harry Bo Jenkins' face searched the hotel. Harry said he was going to sink the hotel. They must have cut the moorings. Harry Bo Jenkins and Garth Vader breathlessly hurry into the hotel spa, then into the sauna. And how long do we have to hide here? Just a few days. I said, who needs Adela? We have everything we need right here. What is going on here, Garth? I thought you... What? Felt the same. Are you mad? You selfish, selfish bastard. You set me up. I'm sorry, Harry. Harry approaches the sauna door and opens it. He leaves the sauna, leaving Garth in there. Harry slides his machete through the door handle, jamming it locked. Hey there, little buddy. Billy, did you see his knees? No, why? They were kitten's paws. He must be one of Philip's experimental subjects. They call me little Timmy Kitten Knees. Kim, Kim, come quickly. I think I found him. Harry Bo Jenkins, follow me. The lift reaches the basement. Timmy gives a loud whistle. And before she knows it, a terrifying beast, half-woman, half-disgusting predator, tears into view. But instead of killing her, it picks her up in its teeth and drags her back along the corridor and through the big metal door. Ah, Kim, I see you've met Rebecca. You won't get away with this. Prepare the machine. I needn't have to tell you that a good concierge knows when to leave their guests alone. Well, good luck with that pipe dream when half of you is a llama. Betty! I don't think she can hear you, Puppet. Guess what animal I've decided she's going to be. A little kitty cat. Billy, get away from here. Don't do it, Adela. Live for me, Adela. Live for us. Harry, where have you been? Get away from my wife, Mr. Bojangles. Why don't you see what that magic apron of yours can show you? Clucas looks at the apron. An idyllic picture presents itself. Purple hills sit under a bright turquoise sky. A golden river flowing through their luscious valleys. Urgia. The magic orange apron. Perhaps he can help us to figure out who to trust. Dwight, reveal all. Prove to all these people that Philip St. Hutchison is a murderer and an evil bastard who experiments on people. Dwight? Suddenly he begins transforming. He changes shape, colour and size until eventually it is clear he's no longer an orange apron, but a huge, frozen... Iceberg! Right ahead! Iceberg! It's an iceberg! Iceberg! Mystery, murder, mystery. Doing murdering, it's not about to stop. Crazy murder crimes make my mind go pop. Who's done the murdering? We haven't got a clue. Everyone's a suspect. Could it be you? Could it be you? The mystery murder mystery. The mystery murder mystery. Quite emotional, really. It's the last episode of the second series. It is emotional. It's yeah. also quite tense, and you also have had a lot of work to do. You had a lot to tie up. 
I did, didn't I? And I'm in, how, how'd you get on? It took me, honestly, from start of start to thinking about the what could happen, trying to piece it all together, to finishing the first draft. Three to four weeks, I'm yeah. holding a month's work in my hand. And, and it's, I, it's stapled. It's stapled very as organized. per usual. It's always stapled and double-sided with Not me. Not very well stapled. Well, stapled in a rush. Mine's sure. quite well stapled. Yeah, maybe mine, mine is about as uneven as it could be. Well... Um, I'll forgive it. You should count yourself lucky I even staple it. You guys just fucking... It's normally on vellum. It's like <laughs> yellow paper, like a mishmash of paper. <laughs> All, like, handwritten with little arrows drawing to different... See bits. receipt. W.A. <laughs> Smith. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I love the title. Thanks very much. Well, this, this last one's called One Last Roll of the Nice. Um, and... Obviously, we left with some big drama, which uh, yeah. there was an iceberg. The Dwight Berg. The Dwight Berg. And um, I suppose the Hotel La Vida is going down, isn't yeah. it? In Sinclair the Lake. The Ship Hotel. Yeah. The Ship Hotel. So yeah. not only might Garth Vida get saunered to death, he might drown in there. Well, that everyone yeah. might. Everyone might. Because everyone's like, you think about all the creatures locked Ooh, in this special is lab. Is it going to be oh, like shit. the boiler rooms in Titanic? Potentially. Uh, all... And they all burst. Mm. Uh, is there going to be a nice scene between an old couple on a bed? Violins playing? Who knows? Well, exactly. <laughs> anyway, um, um, are you guys ready to roll? Yeah. Okay, I think cool. So. so, the scene one. Okay, so Felix, you're going to play Adela and Stefan. Thank God I'm not playing Good. Adela. Um, yeah, yeah. You're t- I, th- I thought for the, benefit, for the benefit of keeping this smooth, <laughs> <laughs> let's not make uh, you Adela. Uh, Christy, you're going to play Harry and Claire. Love it. So, um, Harry, you obviously play very well, famously. Yeah. Claire, I'm not so sure. So South let's see. African, isn't it? Yeah. No, your first mistake, Charlie. What? You've listed yourself also as Stefan. Because <laughs> he's sometimes Charlie, sometimes it's Felix. Right, um, I'm just going to play Lucas. Um, I mix up Lucas and ah, Stefan because they're easy a bit to like, do. Yeah, because they're, they're quite a um, motley crew. Antidec, <laughs> Dick and Dom sort of character, you know. Well, that, that that's that really. So, um, and everyone, um, we're all going to play everyone. Everyone's going to play everyone. Yep. Nice. Love it. Right. Cool. The end is nice. I nine. should call that the ensemble, really, shouldn't I? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> do you mind going, give, giving that another print, maybe? Yeah. Changing okay. it. Um, two seconds. Um, while I run away... And don't forget to staple it. <laughs> while I run away, shall we um, start the episode? Mystery, murder, mystery. Scene one. Contrary to nearly every episode so far this season, this episode we open a few minutes before exactly where we left off last episode. Wow. That is editing my writing in a very hands-on sense, isn't it? (laughs) We start at the beginning of Christie's episode. (laughs) (laughs) Which frankly needs a rewrite. (laughs) Thank you. Anyway, we open a few moments before exactly where we left off last episode. The ship is steaming towards the iceberg. Claire Vida rushes towards the wheel and grabs it, spinning it with all her might to try and avoid it, but it's not enough. The ship has smashed into it, and with a huge crack, everyone is knocked off their feet. Water starts coming on board. The bow is completely smashed. The bow! The bow, it must be completely smashed! <laughs> who cares about the bow, Billy, you turnip? We're in mortal danger. We need to find someone who can navigate us back to shore. Sure? We seem to be forgetting we're in a bloody lake. We're only a couple of kilometres away from the port, for God's sake. Is it in a lake, the ship? Well, it was in Sinclair Lake, so... Was it? What? Oh, I don't know, I'm asking, I can't remember. I swear, well, I, yeah, I, 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 did some, I did some simple geography and thought we've never actually established Sinclair's simple on the geography. coast. But we've always said there's been a Sinclair Lake. Have we? And in what's called... <laughs> Even before we came up with this podcast. And, and, and don't forget... <laughs> we said Everyone knows about Sinclair Lake. And didn't we also I think say it was a, a few episodes, Harry said, if I could do anything I want to, I'd sink this... Um, Sink this ship down to the bottom of the sea. Exactly. Yeah. Did it? Yeah. Okay. Cool. So yeah. that's it. No, I like. Yeah. I genuinely forgot. You haven't done your mystery murder mystery history. I, I never do. <laughs> <laughs> your mystery murder history revision. <laughs> um, right. 
Can we go from, um, we seem to be forgetting we're in a bloody lake? We seem to be forgetting we're in a bloody lake. We're only a couple of kilometres away from the port, for God's sake. Where we are is not important. What's important is that we survive. Years I've been waiting to be back in Adela's hooves, and now we're all about to sink to the bottom of the ocean. Lake! An ensemble cast interrupt Harry's flow. Yes, Lake. I'll die and have this all taken away from me. We need to solve this. Who's the captain of this goddamn boatle? Great pun, Harry. I can't believe it's taken three episodes since we discovered the Hotel La Vida was a floating <laughs> hotel for someone to call it a boatel. Genius! Anyway, I digress. Betty is the only trained captain of this ship, Harry. And <laughs> Obviously, yeah. <laughs> and we haven't seen her in ages. Knowing her, she's probably in a downstairs cabin letting another nice guy clean out her dirty old bagpipes. Well, that's just grand. I guess we just... <laughs> I have an idea. What, Adela? Speedboats. There are rescue speedboats on the bottom deck. Convenient. How big is this boat? <laughs> we established, you remember, in the first episode, Kim was playing roleplay and said, like, the room 42,001 is massive. Right. The you lake's, really the lake's probably pretty big as well, then. Yeah, that was massive. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> One of the biggest, Sinclair. That's the beauty of living in a kind of fake land, not <laughs> just north of North very London. Fluid. Beauty of fiction. Very <laughs> fluid. Yeah. There are rescue boats on the bottom deck. If we can get the keys for them, we'll be safe. Great idea. And to think I was just starting to think you weren't stable. Oh, oops. Sorry, Adela. I didn't mean stable as in, you know, a horse. It's just... Billy, we're about to drown. Now is not the time for babbling. You're right. Clucas, you Urgian wizard. Go and fetch the speedboat keys from cabin 324 and come straight back. You hear? Straight back. I hear. Clucas stumbles as he runs away to fetch the keys. The boatel is juddering now, slowly but surely, sinking to the bottom of Sinclair Lake. Just like Harry Bo Jenkins wished for two episodes ago. Claire Vida is in a distraught way, seeing the boatel that she so loved being destroyed by the minute. Oh, the terror. How in Springbok's name did this come to happen? I've got an idea how this may have happened. Go on when? then, share it! Who remembers back in episode four when we were down in the Midland with Harry, Clucas, Dwight and Garth? All we hear is a few awkward, confused murmurs. No one was down there with them. How were they to know? Fine. Well, we saw a video montage on Dwight the Apron screen and it showed Harry Bow once owning Dwight before one day throwing him away in anger right into the River Sinclair. So there's a river as well. Jesus. The River Sinclair's and Bear. <laughs> <laughs> Another not geographical to be confused thing with Lake Sinclair. Yeah, but also no, no we've already established the River Sinclair. I, I just happened to I inform just, the whole geography of this I land. I just remembered you did geography at university, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it seems to have come nice through. And if I'm going to make up a mythical land, I'm going to make it geographically sound. All right. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. All right. The River Sinclair. Okay. Well, we saw a video montage on Dwight the Apron screen, and it showed Harry Bow once owning Dwight before one day throw, throwing him away in anger right into the river Sinclair St. Bear. Dwight must be taking revenge on you for disowning him, Harry. <gasps> that might be sometimes, Stefan. That might be. But if I know my Dwight, that's not something he'd do. He was the most loyal apron I've ever had. No, he wasn't getting revenge. He was obeying me. You remember what I said back in episode five, don't you, Stefan? Tink, you do remember. The line I delivered in a menacing way. Um, um. I tell you what I'd like to do. I'd like to bloody end this hotel. Send it sinking to the bottom of Sinclair Lake. So, Harry, you're the reason this boat is sinking. 
You made Dwight turn into an iceberg? You're the reason we hit this Dwightberg? How could you? Adela gallops away angrily into Billy's welcoming arms. Come on, come on. There, there. Don't cry, my little pony. Harry is furious, furious yet determined. He tries to shout to Dwight to shapeshift into a whole manner of things. A lifeboat, a box of armbands, a giant pygmy seahorse, the works. But we all oh, know I... I thought that said, that works. <laughs> that works. That works. The works. But we all know icebergs don't have ears. Hearing as a faculty, Dwight chose to give up in his transformation from Magic Apron to Iceberg. We return to a determined Harry Bo Jenkins. Adela, I'm sorry. Look, look, leave this to me. I'll save this ship once and for all. No, I'll save us. And I promise we'll be able to live happily ever after. I promise. As Harry runs towards the broken bow, we experience the utter chaos on the deck of the Botel La Vida. We are reminded of the fact that it is 90% inhabited by the nicest humans on Earth. Hundreds of people run around, stopping, starting, awkwardly letting other people crossing their path go first. People repeatedly giving and receiving life jackets to the people around them, offering sandwiches to fellow guests. Even now, in such moments of danger, delusional niceness prevails, and people are more focused on being nice than being alive. We are drowned by a chorus of, no, please, you first, and no, really, I insist, as courtesy and kindness somehow disguise the fact that we are on a sinking ship. Botel. <laughs> but in the corner of the main deck, amongst all the kind chaos, we see a man ripping life jackets off the nice guests, making a path for himself, before selfishly lying down on a bed of life jackets, before pulling out a suspect glass object and a lighter. That man is none other than Mr. Nice Guy himself, Philip St. Hutchinson. <laughs> End of scene one. And Crankhead Sutton Hutchinson. <laughs> so, yeah, what was he doing? A suspect glass object and, and a lighter. lighter. So we don't know what it is Start yet. Smoke and sell some crack on the lifeboats. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway. Is that why... That is why when I made the crack joke earlier. Yeah, exactly. Not that you should be making crack jokes. They're on me, think he actually had some crack. Great. (laughs) Got my hopes up. (laughs) So, initial thoughts? Um, Well, it's clearly well-researched, and I really mean that. You've gone back into your earlier episodes. You've made Harry at fault for Dwight, which is good. Yeah, um, you studied the landscape. You've re- you've, <laughs> well. you've, uh, you've clearly geography is where you've started. You've set this in. <laughs> Can you imagine my bedroom? It's like I've got loads of yeah. Lord of the Rings style you're maps. Like, like, I love the like idea. I'm in Stranger Things with like, all the map of all the place. I love the idea that the iceberg here being able to hear was a step too far. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was very thoroughly said. And I like the fact that you remembered it's that they're actually all really nice. And that's a, yeah, no, in that's this, they're in a nicest, mm. which is a crisis. Mm-hmm. And they're still thank very you. good. They're still uh, holding their own. And now, interesting. I've just got back from Belgium, and um, <laughs> this is after I finished the episode. And uh, the first thing I see when I get to the end of the road, which was on a, uh, on this little canal, was this hotel called the Botel. I kid you no not. Way. Yeah, I kid you not. That's so Small good. Small world. Anyway, after that fun fact, should we quick on to uh, scene two? Please. Yeah. Felix, uh, you're gonna uh, step up and play Kim. Sure. Um, and Garth Feeder, Christy, Gertie. Sure. We find ourselves in the secret laboratory, where Gertie Roxbury is holding Kim, Betty and thousands of other creatures hostage. We hear the blood-curdling cry of what can only be a half-Norwegian barrister, half-flamingo. Gertie is filling a syringe with a green liquid, ready to inject Kim with what will soon turn her into half-llama, half-upper-middle-class drama student. Gertie begins to speak in a Welsh accent. Okay. You know, Kim, I've enjoyed the last half-hour or so with you. I feel like we really have, shall I say, 
come to know each other for what we really are. You're a swine, Gertrude Roxbury. Call me Gertie. I'll call you what you are. A swine. Gertie replies mockingly in Welsh. Oh, you didn't mock. <laughs> <clears throat> Say what? Swine. Why does your accent keep changing from episode to episode? I let it go last episode when your accent suddenly became American from what was previously a posh English accent in episode two because I didn't want to shark Chrissy for his lack of research into previous episodes. But to be quite honest, I just find it all a bit confusing and I need an explanation. You're the ones who made me do him American. Yeah, it was my episode. Then. It was your episode. You established him to be posh mm-hmm. English, so you should actually be fully responsible. You should go, oh, no, he's posh English. Oh, I see. Yeah, I'm not taking blame for this. I'm getting you out of this shit. <laughs> so, Charlie, you're the one who made him American, and now you've addressed it in this one. You're simultaneously oh, no. blaming both of us. I, well, we panicked. We panicked, right? <laughs> no. Oh, the blame's ours well, now. So, oh, so, why didn't you say, no, he shan't be American, he'll be English? We panicked. And by the way, the why do you always beat. get the headphones? <laughs> I want some headphones. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. <sighs> Gertie returns to his threat. You happy? Yeah. Gertie, Gertie returns to his threatening American accent from the previous episode. I thought you'd never ask. Well, it's all part of who I am and where I am in the nice game. When you've spent so long dedicating your life to the Nicaea. 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 Philip St. Hutchinson, being one of his nice disciples, if you will, you become, let's say, enlightened. And just like the apostles in the New Testament gain the power to speak any language in the world, we Nicepals get to a point where we can speak any in any accent we want whenever we want. Neat, huh? This is the irony <laughs> of the whole thing. You get to speak in, like, a kind of shitty... <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. We can speak in no accent as well. <laughs> just don't make me do Russian. <laughs> but not very useful. Not very useful. Accents have more bearing on social interaction than you think, dear Kimmy. You'd be surprised how much control you have over someone when you can shift up your accent. For example, when I want to charm people, I use my posh English accent, just like the one I charmed little Miss Betty Puss into bed with in episode 2. If I want to confuse, confuse them, I'll use my Welsh accent. Kim suddenly sounds remarkably aroused. <laughs> what fucking language is that? That was Urgian for, if you want us to do someone, I'll speak Urgian, just like your little friend Klukas does. See, it works. I'm controlling you as we speak. I own you, Kimberly Morton Woods. You do not. If you're so controlling, when do you use your American accent? Ask me that, nice wise guy. Gertie is putting the finishing touches on his syringe. He lets out a creepy laugh. And, well, and what exactly are the finishing touches on a syringe? <laughs> Cleaning it, you know. He's given the little, he's he exposed the end out and yeah. taps it. Yeah, that's what he's doing. Antiseptic, cleaning it. Yeah. Uh, well, let's just say I use my American accent when I'm in the mood to destroy. destroy. Gertie pounces on Kim. As <laughs> With the syringe. <laughs> Gertie, just go with it. This is meant to be a heartache moment. Go with Gertie, it. The philosophy of this whole podcast. Just please go with Gertie, it. Gertie pounces on Kim as she does all she can to wriggle away from the lethal injection that is about to turn her into half llama. Why is she's, it a lethal injection then? Doesn't that, she's kill, about, doesn't that kill you? No, but it's pretty lethal. You don't want to become a llama for the rest of your life. All right? Pipe down. Let me finish. <laughs> she screams. Rebecca growls. Gertie laughs. When all of a sudden, a gigantic thud breaks them apart and ice-cold water begins to pour into the lab. What the... Run! The half-man, half-goat lab worker who goes by the name of Demi presses a button <laughs> which opens presses a button which opens the door to the lab and chaos ensues. We hear all the creatures howling, trapped in their cages, knowing that they are helpless in the in the sinking boat hell. 
Before departing the lab stupidly, Gertie runs to get his lead for Rebecca, which lets Kim take a chance to escape. She runs out the lab door. Get back here, you little worthless bitch! I thought I said I owned you! Rebecca, after her! But Rebecca is distressed amongst the chaos and refuses to follow Gertie's orders. She is running up to her friends in their cages, howling, trying to release them from captivity. But in vain. Gertie gives up the patience and finally chases after Kim himself, still holding the syringe. I'll get you, little llama, if it's the last thing I do. Oh, will you now, you swine-faced hypocrite? Kim is ducking Very and weaving... verbose insult <laughs> while she's running away. <laughs> Kim is ducking and weaving through the corridors of the Botel La Vida, being thrown around by the impact of the sinking ship, the corridors she knows so well, the corridors where she learnt her craft. She suddenly stops to wonder if she can somehow use her bunning concierge skills to defeat Gertie, but then realises it's a stupid idea and begins to run again. But Gertie is only metres away by now. Why did I stop? thought Kim with regret. The chase continues until suddenly they are drawn to a halt by a plume of smoke, coming out from under the door of the sauna spa area. Kim enters and thinks it's her lucky day and she'll finally be able to lose her pursuer in the smoky haze, but alas, she was wrong. The smoke burns their eyes and they're both coughing and wheezing like mad. I'll get you, you little llama. Kim begins to panic, her eyes burning. She feels faint. Suddenly, she feels a hand on her shoulder, Gertie's hand. Next thing she knows, she's being held down and Gertie is poking her in the eye with his small weasel left hand. Kim is wailing in agony. In a stroke of luck, the sinking Botel suddenly shudders again and throws Gertie off Kim's struggling body. And just as Gertie is about to pursue Kim again, we hear a muffled scream of, It's coming from the sauna. Kim rushes to help and pulls open the sauna door to reveal a charred Garth Vida appear from beyond the smoke. You saved my life. Who are you? <coughs> my name is Garth Vida and I own this sinking Botel. The introduction of a new character causes a change in Gertie's mood and he can't resist but turn on the nice guy charm offensive. He begins to talk in his relentlessly posh English accent. Why, it is an honour and a privilege to meet you, Mr Vida. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Gertrude Norma Roxbury, but you can call me Gertie if you like. I've been coming to this Botel for years, room 221. Charming hotel, charming staff, no complaints at all. May I be so rude as to ask whether Claire Vida is your daughter? Garth responds through gritted teeth. He thinks he knows Gertie's game. She is? Well, I must say you must be one proud father. She is a saint and she looks after me and my team of nice guys so phenomenally well. She's really welcomed us into the institution to make us feel right at home. Ah, you are a nice guy, are you? How interesting. I am indeed, but you are one burnt guy, aren't you? What on earth happened to you? Were you locked in the sauna, you poor soul? Here, meet my friend Kim. She's in a nice game too, aren't you, Kim? Kim? Kim! The smoke has cleared, and Kim is no longer by Gertie's side. Yet again, she has run away from her captor. Go, Kim, you can do it, thought the author. <laughs> but Gertie, like the sauna room, is absolutely fuming. Cha-cha-cha-cha. <laughs> Is that nice one, Charlie? Thought the author again. <laughs> <laughs> but Gertie, like the sauna room, is absolutely fuming. He begins to froth at the mouth and shouts in his American accent. The slut! The cheek! Oh, he's really going for it. The <laughs> cheek of it! How can she think she can trick me like that? Not feeling so nice now, are you, Mr. Roxbury? Cool accent, by the way. Uh, oh, th oh, thanks, it's American. Yeah, it's cool. Nice. Hang on. Why is there a machete on the floor? That could come in handy. What do you mean? Oh, 
Nothing, dear friend. Never you mind, never you mind. Look, a fawn! Momentarily, he manages to distract Garth Feeder, who thinks he would have never seen a man with goat legs. He then picks up the machete and makes a bolt for the door. <laughs> Hasta la vista, sucker! You nice, nice bastard! You'll get your comeuppance. My Harry Bow will Harry show you. I may be the burned one for now, but you're the one who will end up burned in hell. You will, you will. Burn! With that, Garth Vida staggers over, coughs, and finally collapses. <coughs> Has the Botelier legend breathed his final last breath? Botelier, I think. <laughs> Has the Botelier legend breathed his last breath? We may never know, as the story may not have room later on for more plot twists. Right. End of scene two. The author's really in this one, isn't he? <laughs> Jesus. He's covering He's his there. eyes. The author, running along with the him. author is present. So, what, Garth? Heavily present. Garth is clearly still in love with Harry. Despite being trapped in the sauna by him. Well, yeah, love love doesn't end that easily. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, okay. No, but he might extenuating circumstances. I might have said, but um, okay. Fine. So Kim managed to get away. Garth realised that. Um, sorry, yeah. Garth realised that Gertie was nasty. Yeah. Well, nice. Well, yeah. He he's obviously got it in for him now because he he knows that he goes against everything that Harry Bow has. Always kind of told him that he was right, against. Right, right. And Gertie <clears throat> just ran away. Gertie's run away, but don't forget. Even though even though Garth's collapsed, I mean he's he's open now. He's free. I got a couple yeah. of points. Go ahead. One, Rachel was very empathetic. Rebecca. Ra- <laughs> yeah, Rebecca. Rebecca. Yeah. Yeah, she was very um, caring all of a sudden from what? having murdered on demand. <laughs> yeah, but even so I think she probably she cares for her sort, her kind of her, her type of people, the other creatures, right. I think. Although just not Timmy. Just not Timmy. No, because that was an order from her boss, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah okay, okay, fine. That's a bit flawed. I give you no. that. No, no, no it, it's just watertight. The other question I had, well, the other point I had, quite political. In what way? Well, you know, Gertie when he's being when he's being destructive is American. Yeah. Mm. When he's being nice, he's English. <laughs> when he's being uh, whatever, what else is he? Seductive. S- seductive. He's, he's exotic. Oh. <laughs> what you know? What does this tell you about Charlie's politics? Welsh. What was Welsh when he was being confusing? Was it? <laughs> God, that's, <laughs> right. that's really bad, <laughs> isn't it? I didn't um, think that through. It's not good. <laughs> Any complaints? Write to info at charliewarner.com. Thank you very much. God, I feel uh, I feel you've kind of knocked me off balance there. That was completely. Uh... You're very, you're like a scholar of the podcast. Mm. You are, aren't you? You're yeah. interpreting. You're the geographer. Charlie was historian. right here going. Oh, in a hundred years, <laughs> they'll know that this, of course, was a political metaphor. <laughs> Felix has cracked it here and now. Yeah. <laughs> Wait for thin layer. <laughs> Wait for thin layer. Exactly. Well, to be to be quite honest, it's kind of fallen onto me by you guys because. Um, when we when he was speaking in an American accent, he was threatening last episode. He was quite charming when we introduced him in an English accent. Mm. And oh, you're taking what you what was already there. No, no, it's fair. Yeah. So okay, there you go. go. Scene three. Mm. Are you guys ready? Mm. Are you happy? Mm. Are you enjoying it? Mm. Good. Mm. Scene three. Mystery, murder, mystery. We return to the chaos on the main deck, and the intense fear has manifested in the most strange way. As if possessed, the nice follower guests are repeating, please, thank you, you're welcome, my friend. <laughs> in unison. Can we please do it in the background? Please, please, thank, thank you. you. You're welcome, my friend. 
over and over, as if at peace with their fate. They continue to take off their life jackets and hand them around to others, smiling and laughing. One guest even pops a bottle of Prosecco and starts handing out flutes for all to enjoy. In the corner, Philip St. Hutchison sits in a bed of life jackets with a lazy smile on his face. He is surrounded by a circle of nice followers who are hanging on to his every word. He sings in a dopey way. You're as cold as nice. It's the ultimate sacrifice. Oh no. <laughs> what a lovely, lovely song. It's time like these we live for, my friends. Sitting on a boat deck, fresh sea air running through your heads, and a nice spot of crack to smoke and shake off the cobwebs. Now, who wants a hit? Me, 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 me. me. Easy welcome, now, bitches. <laughs> Easy now, bitches. Selfishness is not a nice trait, is it? Surely it's much nicer to be patient and wait your turn, as opposed to trying to be the one to have the next hit on the crack pipe. Sorry, Philip. That's okay, that's okay. I forgive you. Now, ooh, hello, my turn. Philip takes a long, hard hit of the crack pipe. He stands up and staggers toward his audience, singing, Nice, nice, baby. Dun, 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 da, da, dun, dun. Nice, nice, baby. Ah, Ain't nothing better than some sweet, sweet yam. <sighs> you, come here. Give Uncle Hutch a cuddle. Mmm, that is lovely. That is... Philip is cuddling a follower intensely. He even begins to kiss him on the mouth. In an overwhelmed state of confusion and arousal, the follower puts out and begins to furiously kiss Philip back. They pull apart and begin to sway together. Philip begins to sing again. I don't know what this song I've is. I've never seen you looking so lovely as you did tonight. I've never seen you shine so bright. You know Lady in Red by Crystal Berg? No. Well, you're going to have to learn it quick. <laughs> <laughs> never seen you looking so nice. Never seen you looking so lovely as you did tonight. i never seen you shine so nice. Not bad at all. Yeah. That would work probably over the melody or something. Yeah. They become so entranced by Philip's cover of Christa Berg's 1987 classic, Lady in Red. You're very detailed. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that the swaying begins to get out of control, and all of a sudden, it's clear that Philip has thrown the follower over the rails and into the water. None of the other followers take much notice, though, and continue to hang on to Philip's every <laughs> word. The crack. You see, my dears, when the going gets tough, the tough got to get nice sometimes. I loved that man so, so much just then and gave him so much of me that the only nice thing left to do was simply chuck him overboard. Splish, splash, bye-bye. Philip St. Hutchinson, you, you bloody nice... You bloody nice path. You've been busted. That's right. I caught you in this Moto G4 smartphone throwing that poor lad overboard. And now all my friends here... Also know what you know you for what you are, an evil crackhead bastard. Crackhead? Look at him. He's off his tits. So wait. Philip St. Hutchinson, Mr. Nice Guy, is addicted to crack cocaine. Philip, can I possibly have a So I've got to interrupt myself. <laughs> you gotta do it your very best. Alright. Philip, can I possibly have a hit? It's true. Very good. Believe it. After all, I did tell Billy when he cooked breakfast for me in Ep 2, that's short for episode 2, <laughs> that the nicest eggs in the world are eggs a la Philip St. Hutchinson, fried up with a little bit of crack. 
delicious. I thought you said that crack was illegal and therefore very not nice. Billy, you burke. If you remember, I offered to sell you crack after that very sentence. I got some nice yam right here too if you want some. You see, ladies and gents, this addiction is yet another example of this monster doing crazy things to cover up his guilt for killing his ex Rebecca and stealing my beautiful Adela. And now look at him. Abandoning his so-called noise suppose and killing them too. How does it feel to have even more blood on your hands? Does that feel nice, Philip? You know what, Jenkins? I don't think I've done anything nicer in all my days. Ever heard of that nice man, Jesu Christo? I know him well. Harry unbuttons his shirt to reveal a huge tattoo of, on his chest of Jesus Christ in a cowboy hat. Ah, still got that sweet, sweet tat, I see. Well, what if I were to tell you that what I'm doing right now, abandoning my followers like you say, is akin to what our friend Jesus did to mankind, dying for the sins of the world, making sure they don't have to rely on my niceties so much anymore. So a bit of abandonment here, a bit of pushy-offy boaty there, and poof, they'll no longer rely on me and be free from sin. But Philip, that makes no sense. They're already free from sin. They're the nicest people ever. They don't need to be freed. Hey, is that Gertie Roxbury? Yes, yes it is. And why is he holding a... Hey, I recognise that machete. Howdy doody, Gertie. Harry, look, Gertie found your machete. Been a while, Gertie. Good to see Gertie the turtie has finally come out of his shell. Didn't open your mouth the whole weekend last time I saw you in the stag do in Prague. Pleasure to see you too, Harry Bow. You've aged nicely. Last time I saw you, me and the guys were kicking the shit out of you in a gutter while Philip was fucking your Adela. Remember? I made him not have been talkative, but you must admit I had a strong kick. Your kick was so weak, it was nearly a fortnight. <laughs> oh my god. Sorry, dad joke. Dad joke. How did you get my machete then? I found it in the sauna. Some poor mad German fellow who claimed to be the owner of the botel was half burnt to death. I left the Frankfurter to die, of course. I'll be able to thank him for the weapon in hell one day after all, I suppose. Out of nowhere, Gertie lunges at Harry. Everyone gasps as he just misses Harry's midriff. However, Harry dodging... hit Jesus. <laughs> Jesus in the cowboy hat. However, Harry dodging the attempted hit causes him to lose footing, and by the time he's up again, he's cornered by Gertie and his machete. Stefan, Billy and Adela and the other guests try and approach Gertie to stop his violence, but Gertie is wise to it and warns them back with a weapon. Philip joins his side. Go on, then. Kill me. If you're so nice, kill me. It won't matter. I'm already dead. I've lost my Adela. I've lost my friends. I've lost my will to live. <laughs> Harry, you don't need to be like this. I love you. Gertie, please don't do this. Be nice, like I know you can. Oh, shut your pie hole and start horsing around. Billy, you might remember what I said in episode two about how killing is the least nice thing one can do, unless, of course, if they've asked for it, in which case it's the height of the height of the nice, the ultimate sacrifice. Yep, I remember that sound logic. Well, Harry, I would be inclined to say that you do deserve what I'm about to do to you. The way you disappeared off the face of the planet for years, leaving your poor Adela to fend for herself, not nice at all, not one bit. How can you say that, you monster? She left me. And why do you think that is, Harry? She left you because you weren't nice enough. Quite right. 
Arguably, Philip offered very much the same as you did in those days. Heck, the nice guy championship wasn't even a thing back then. But you were a nasty piece of work, seduced by your own good looks and ignorant of everything else around you. You forgot the most important thing of all. Being nice. Adela, is that true? But Adela isn't paying attention. A nice has distracted her and is letting her lick blocks of salt while brushing her mane. She doesn't respond. Adela! See? Guess you should have just been a bit nicer. Anyway, too late now. Get him, Gertie. Gertie slowly walks up to a shaking Harry. He is cornered against the railing. And after he raises the machete without a trace of emotion, and as everyone turns their back and gasps, Gertie Roxbury slices Harry Bo Jenkins clean in half. <laughs> Fucking hell! <laughs> you wanted murders, you <laughs> Yeah, you got Jeez, it. Jeez, Louise. Wow. What's God. the murder count two so far? What this episode? Yeah. Uh, who's Phil- well, Philip chucked someone off. Oh early. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I suppose so. Two, two, two murders. More to come. And Gertie's. So Adela was distracted by a dis- d- denisable. A nice apple. A nice apple giving her salt salt blocks to lick. Because Felix, do you remember you said how yeah. she likes to lick salt blocks? Yeah, well, I indicated that horses <laughs> like doing that. Well, she's so a horse. Remember that you said that more than her love for her. <laughs> He, what all he's done is exploit that. So <laughs> There's a lot of references to past episodes, which, you know, again, impressive research and... Uh, no, but trying, to, to, trying be... to make our sore elbow of this mess, you need to somehow tie it back to what's already happened. For Otherwise, sure. you guys would... You'd, you'd have my head on, on, the, on the salt block. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. No, you've done really well. Done really well. Let's crack on. Happy to go? He's dead. <laughs> yeah, yep. he's dead, isn't he? Which which way did you imagine he was sliced in half? Um, sideways. Okay. Horizontal. Sideways from the hip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the hip. Good. <clears throat> Good. Um, Felix, you're going to play the new character Norton in this. Ooh. Who's my new character of the episode? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Even though you had a new Even character, you named Who? Demi. Who? Demi. No, but uh, w- wait, wait and see. Wait and see. Okay. The half man, half goat has already been introduced. There's also been a character called Demi Morgan, kind of talked about before. Right. Um, Anyway, Felix, you're going to play Norton. Scene four. Mystery, murder, mystery. Obviously, we carry on from where we left off. The chaos on deck has been turned up to 11 following the machete attack on the most beautiful man to ever grace Sinclair, Harry Bo Jenkins. Adela spits the salt block in the face of the disappointed disciple and canters towards her severed love. With an almighty neigh, she cries, Harry! Very good. As Stefan, Billy and Claire rush to help Harry, Philip and Gertie swagger off towards their nice audience as if nothing has happened and begin to get massages from the delusional followers. Ah! The blood flow pressure is too strong, Miss Vida. Try and hold him together. Sometimes, Stefan, we can't lose Harry Bow. He's inadvertently become the main part in this shit show of a murder mystery. I can't do it. I'm not strong enough. I know I'm sometimes a qualified paramedic, but he's lost so much blood that... Hypervolemia is surely only around the corner and then we're looking at death by exsanguination. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're not the right man for the job. I guess this is a case for horses for courses. Great idea. Adela, stop licking up Harry's salty blood and get... But I'm anemic. I need the iron. I don't care. I'll give you some dark leafy greens later. I have some in my medical bag. That'll do the trick. But now there's more important matters to hoof. Your Harry is dying, and your big horse legs are the only thing strong enough to hold him together and keep him alive. You mean it? Yes, I mean it. Get over here before it's too late. No, 
No, you really mean dark leafy greens will aid my anemia? Yes, I mean it. That and iron-fortified cereals. Now trot on over here. Adela suddenly bucks into action, and after just ten seconds of her holding Harry together with her hooves, Harry's face begins to regain a touch of colour. He begins to talk in a weak, dying voice. Adela. My beautiful Adela. You're anemic. Yes, my love. But I'm going to be all right, I promise. I'm going to survive for you. For us. I'll always be here for you, my beautiful Adela. My beautiful Czech horse princess. My Czech wine love. That is really good. Is good. <laughs> As Harry says this, Adela gives her Harry bow a big, salty kiss. We hear Billy wince. Stefan, maybe we should get him some water. He needs to keep hydrated, especially given the amount of salt that must be entering his system via Adela's mouth. <laughs> so Adela's Sound holding medical. his body together. Yeah, with her strong hooves. Okay. You're right. Billy, okay. go and get us some H2O solution, would you? Billy runs over to the other side of the deck, but as he reaches the door, he can't believe his eyes. He sees Kim running towards him. Billy! You're there! Yes, what happened? Where the fuck did little Timmy Kittenies take you? Oh, Billy, Stefan and Klukas were telling the truth. The Niceberg movement is pure evil. There's an underground lab here where they do their fucked up experiments to mix up body parts and Gertie held me captive and little Timmy Kittenies is dead and... All right, all right. The listeners know what happened, Kim. What's important is that we save this botel and bring the nice eyes to justice. Are you with me? I'm with you. And I have an idea. Let's do what we do best. I'm going to concierge the fuck out this disaster. And I'm going to act like the top bellboy actor I know I can be. Ready? Okay. Excuse me, sir. Can I interest you in a complimentary day trip to safety? Oh, well, I can. Well, let me explain to you some more, Mr. Fuji. As Kim walks off to concierge her way to safety, a tall, charming, nice disciple with a characteristic lisp pats Billy on the shoulder. Excuse me. I'm sorry to be so rude. But I couldn't help but overhear the fact that you're a specialist actor who portrays bellboys. Right, you are me old china plate. The name's Mason, Billy Mason. But my stage name is Guillermo Sanchez de la Vega. Well, Guillermo, I'm Mr Norton Spelding. It's an absolute pleasure. As in THE Mr Norton Spelding of Spelding Sisters Films. What, you're, you're one of the finest directors in the world. What are you doing aboard this sinking hotel? I was here for the Knife Guy Conference. I follow the Knife Boat too, you see. <laughs> Ironic, given our current situation. I know, <laughs> but it's not that important. What's important is that I'm currently in talks to produce and direct a multi-million pound film trilogy called The Bellboy in the Bell Tower. As in the books? As in the books, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he sneaks like this at all. <laughs> Your accent makes it like it is. He's taking the best. <laughs> like this guy's really taking yeah. Harry for a ride. <laughs> okay. I'm really sorry to anyone who has a list. So where, 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 As in the books. As in the books, yes. <laughs> As in the books, yes. And we've been struggling to find our leading man for months. But you, my friend, seem like you'd be perfect. I'd like to make you our Luigi. Billy is flabbergasted. I'm flabbergasted, Mr Spelding. I'll be honest, this really is a dream come true. I, I, I can't even explain. No need to. Here's my card. <laughs> really is his selling him a <laughs> Here's my card. If we make it out of this hotel alive, call me. And if I perish, call my sister Thuvi. If you perish, we'll have to find another Luigi, I'm afraid. Right you are. I'll call you, sir. Or your sister. You bet I will. 
Billy turns around in excitement with a spring in his step and runs to tell Kim the good news, who he can just see sat at the concierge desk showing Mr. and Mrs. Fuji how to use the floating device. However, just as he's about to run through the door, he hears a terrifying growling thump from around the corner. He turns to run, but it's too late. Rebecca smashes around the corner and bites Billy clean in half. <laughs> leaving just his legs flailing on the sinking deck. But Adela's already holding oh Harry together. God. She's going to have to choose. I know. She's going to have to choose yeah, between hang on. Harry and Billy. But he's, he's got the wrong the half. part of his life. Well, well, the wrong halves remained. Yeah, I'm not saying that, that, that she's going to have to choose. You, that, you guys have jumped to that. That's, I'm saying that. That's my guess. That's what you guess. I feel like Billy's done for. Well, Billy's, yeah, Billy's dead. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, he, he's just been... It'd be some yeah, but oh, Billy's dead. You sp- we thought Harry was dead. All he needs is a yeah, horse. Harry's, to head, back Harry's to head was still there. <laughs> Billy's cleaning half his legs are flailing. Just suggesting that Rebecca's bites. eaten oh, the rest of him. swallowed Yeah, you seem quite upset about it. I'm not, not. <laughs> I'm not, not, boys. Billy. Oh, I've just been given... At least he died in a high. He's just been given the part of Exactly, I know. He's playing Luigi. Rebecca, mate, I, I don't believe But that gone. is, to be fair, that is Hollywood. That yeah, is yeah, Hollywood. Yeah. It's know. another political you kind of commentary, yeah. yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Rebecca very much the wines, the right. spacey of this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, They'll eat oh, you up. They'll eat you up. <laughs> They'll swallow you. <laughs> that. I don't believe he's gone. Fine. You don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> Even at the end of the episode. <laughs> Should we crack on scene five? Yeah. Scene five. Mystery, murder, mystery. We carry on from where we left. Billy, no! <laughs> Kim rushes over to what is left of her best friend and colleague, Billy. She hugs onto his mangled legs, crying in a pool of blood. She ignores the beastly Rebecca, who continues to savage other innocent victims on the deck. My dear, dear Billy. My friend, my confidant, my colleague, my could-have-been lover. Billy's severed legs gently flinch. Ooh! Ha! Knew that would get you going. Still desperate from beyond the grave, I see. Only joking, though. You, you know I always thought you'd be too intense to fall in love with. But loyal, that's what you were. I remember my first day at drama school. Everyone thought I was so strange with my posh accent and the right-wing parrot I used to keep on my shoulder. And you were the talk of the town. Everyone wanted to be your friend. Then that one day I was eating alone in the canteen as usual and you tap dance over to me and gave me the outcast the time of day. And from that day on, you've not once let me down. Obviously, apart from the slight cock-up when you failed to convince Adela to join us for dinner a few episodes back, which arguably led to this utter chaos, but we can let that go, I guess, now you're dead. (laughs) Anyways, goodbye, dear friend. Travel well. Thanks for the nice times. Wait, not nice. Lovely times. Thank you. Kim gives Billy's knee a soft kiss cries her last tear, sighs and stands up. She has a job to do. She can't let the death of her best friend distract her from that. (laughs) So unfeeling. She looks up to see the mass carnage that Rebecca has let loose around her and then, looking back over her shoulder, sees the beast slowly walking towards her. She is surely next. Hey now, little beast. You don't need to do this. You've already had dinner. Rebecca growls. Shut your mouth! Rebecca, stop still. Yeah, you heard me, little bitch. You come near me, I'll break your face. Rebecca is still standing still, seemingly in fear. 
But all of a sudden, we hear a violent smash. Someone has shattered the Botar's iconic glass wall with a fire extinguisher, and from behind the shatter, heroically stands a charred, blackened Garfida. He stands and watches as Rebecca looks straight over in his direction and eagerly bolts towards him, smiling, tongue out. But Garth doesn't flinch as he knows that Rebecca's hunger is for one thing and one thing only, the shattered glass. He knows that glass was always and still would be her one true vice in addiction. As she gobbles up the glass in an instant, she begins to act strangely and makes odd coughing sounds. She then begins to lose her footing and the coughing becomes wheezing and after 20 seconds of violent struggle, Rebecca the Beast blinks her last blink and dies. (laughs) You're just killing everyone. Unaware of her father's presence, Claire Vida runs over to the filthy, gory, glassy mess that Rebecca's death has left. My, my, can someone please clean up this mess? Billy, oh wait, sorry, Kim, where's Klukas? Call 0800 Klukas to clean up this mess, please. Roger. No, Klukas. Right you are. Then, from across the deck we hear clapping as Gertie Roxbury walks over to Garth, his meek wife in tow. Bravo, bravo. Well, if it isn't my old friend from the sauna, may I ask who saved you? The half-goat, half-man. Demi Morgan. (laughs) He's an old friend of mine. We established that earlier in the season. We did. Have I spoken to a man called Demi Morgan? Do you remember? (laughs) No. It was in the middle. That's amazing. Cool, but... Because they were talking about the Demogorgon. Do you remember? Yes. Right. The cheeky bastard. Oh, well, I guess all the nice that surrounds him must be rubbing off. Can't be much of a life being half-goat, don't you agree, Garth Vida? Gasps flood the deck as Claire Vida rushes towards her father. Daddy! Daddy! My angel! It's so good to see you. Yeah, you need to help us. <laughs> <laughs> this monster just killed Harry Bow Jenkins with a machete. Split him clean in half. You remember Harry Bow, right? He fought! He fought! You killed my Harry Bo Jenkins? Your Harry Bo Jenkins? Hell, the guy didn't seem to care much for you. Yup, didn't even mention you, ever. Adele was the one he cared about, yup. I will avenge you. Speak up, burnt grandpa. I said, I will avenge you, you monster. You're all monsters. All you nice guys spawning around here like you're kings of the world. All yes hair, no hair, three bags full hair. <laughs> well, it's time someone brought this to an end. <laughs> an end? Don't be so ridiculous. Things like this can't end, my friend. Institutions, ways of life, or as I like to call it, ways of nice. There's nothing nice about you guys. Your concept of nice is flawed and ridiculous. You just follow orders from a crackhead and pull off disgusting experiments and brainwash innocent people. I suppose you do have a point, but why do you think it works? Because people need seductions like this. Spectacles. For that's all there is in life. There's no happy, sad, angry, mad. There's no nice. These are all concepts we've created to survive in this fucked up planet. That's all they are. Great spectacles. And with great spectacles comes great power. And we've seized this power. And now look how some of us have prospered. He proudly points to his wife who nervously smiles, looking down at the floor like a shy debutante at her first beauty pageant. She awkwardly waves, revealing big gold teeth. 
Isn't she a delight? Then all of a sudden, Clucas comes flying in through the doors behind the Roxbury and knocks them right over. I, I am so sorry I'm late, Miss Vida. I went to cabin 342 like Billy said to get the keys for his speedboat, but I couldn't find them. What I did find, though, is this fiddle. Clucas begins playing a beautiful ditty on his new fiddle. Oh, man. Looks like his dyscalculia's fucked things up again. His what? Dyscalculia. Dyscalculia, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, dyscalculia. Yeah, I put it in. Oh, oh fine. You say that you want it. Yeah, I will. Yeah. <laughs> you, now you're the authority on how to say dyscalculia. <laughs> Let's go from fiddle. Dyscalculia. Let's go from Clucas playing his new ditty on his new fiddle. Oh, man. Looks like his dyscalculia's fucked things up again. His what? Dyscalculia. Numerical dyslexia. We told him to go to room 324, not 342. He's done it again. A sudden gigantic judder then shakes and tips the boat. It's close to sinking now, surely. As people struggle to keep their foot in the Roxbury's, still slightly dazed after being hit by Klukas running through the door, slide right off the deck. We see Mrs. Roxbury clinging on for dear life to the railing and below her, Gertie desperately <laughs> hanging on to his wife's giant donkey dick. A still high Philip St. Hutchinson then walks over unsteadily to the Roxbury's to offer help. Howdy doody, partners. Care for a hand? Yes, please, Philip. What does it look like? Like you need help. <laughs> Here, Mrs. R, give me your hand. And may I add, what a lovely cock. But as Philip takes Mr. Ro Mrs. Roxbury's right hand, the sheer weight of Gertie, Mrs. Roxbury, and of course her monster cock, pulls Philip St. Hutchison, Mr. Nice Guy himself, overboard, and with them into the cold depths of the Sinclair Lake. And with that, disappears the foundation of the evil world of the Niceberg. Crikey. Killer, killing them all off. I can't keep track death of who's number, alive. Death number six, that one. <laughs> if that's all of them, yeah. Plus the many who have perished in the in of the, course, in the, in the sinking, background. In the, in the lake, in the, yeah. in the waves well, yeah, of the in lake. In the background and in the waves of the lake. But they could just swim to shore. Yeah, well, they could do exactly true. Mm. We hope. We hope. This is probably one of the most bloodthirsty episodes of Mystery Man I like mystery. it. Pro yeah, all probably. The, all your frustrations of all the series. <laughs> and then Christy dies. <laughs> and then Felix. <laughs> Felix kills Christy. That don't work. It actually felt a lot better as soon as I, <laughs> as I tapped this little boy up. Scene six. Christy, you're going to play a new character, Demi? Second new character. Yeah. No, Demi's actually not a new character to the oh, thing, yeah, so sorry, it doesn't he count. He was made at this point. It's, yeah. We're not going to stop. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm need... walking out. <laughs> Two new characters. We're needing new Limit characters. We're this needing is new... bullshit. We're getting rid of all the others. Yeah, exactly. We need some new ones. <laughs> That's true. Scenes. That's true, as yeah. if there are rules. Exactly. There's some sort of equilibrium to maintain. Exactly. Scene six. Mystery. Well, well, well. That was a conveniently lazy <laughs> way to tie up that part of the story and remove the key plot spoilers. Here, Clucas, give me a hand, will you? Kim and Clucas drag Billy's severed legs towards the rest of the group, who are now standing in the only part of the deck not submerged in the murky waters of Sinclair Lake. By now, the majority of people have jumped off the deck and are attempting to swim to safety. But for now, our heroes live on. How's Harry doing, Adela? His heart still beats for now. It beats for you, Princessa, <laughs> and you alone. Garth Vida walks up to Harry's half-body, still being held together by Adela's hooves. He kneels between Adela's horse legs and weeps softly as he strokes <coughs> his friend's face. Harry's eyes are open, but he hasn't spoken since his accident. Everyone is gathered around to witness this tender moment. Harry, mein Freund, if you don't make it through this tonight, 
There's one thing I want you to know. I'm sorry I didn't tell you how I really felt all those years in the Midland. I truly am. But I don't regret keeping my secret for one minute. For just being with you and knowing you and spending time with somebody who I can call my best friend and the finest man I've ever met was enough to ease my desperate heart and ease my beating schwanz. I'll never forget the days we spent dancing around blindfolded to Bananarama, playing our favorite game, what a woeful day for a wedding, pretending we were bride and groom in the knowledge that Father Donnelly would never arrive, or just shooting the breeze and hatching plans to avenge the cruel, cruel people who did this to you. Well, for what it's worth, if you're in there, Harry, you should be proud, for those monsters now are gone. And you can truly say that you, Harry Bo Jenkins, had the last roll of the nice. <laughs> oh, and to think you're now going to spend the rest of your life being held together by a centaur. If only we could save you, bring you back to life for good. I think I may know how we can bring this man back to live. Oh, well, semi-normal life. It's the evil half-man, half-goat from the lab. Get him. No, young lady, leave him alone. This man is called Demi Morgan, and he is my friend. He used to be the concierge at this hotel when I was in charge, before he was seduced and taken away by Phillips and Hutchinson and his gang. Please, Demi, do tell us how you can save him. Yes, please tell us. My horse legs are beginning to ache and I'm concerned I won't have the energy for my shift at the muck and scum later. She still thinks she's going to make that. <laughs> One thing if we say we... about the people of St. Clair is they're phenomenally optimistic. Yeah. Are they? Yeah. What's it called? Was networking. <laughs> <laughs> Billy was networking. <laughs> That's true. In the face of pure horror, beastly horror. If we survive, that is. Whose legs are they? Over there. My friend Billy, why? Well, I think maybe, just maybe, all my years of heading up six sadistic experiments to merge humans with other creatures may just be able to come to good use. Then, and only then, will I feel I have repented for all my horrific niceness over the years. And just how are you going to do that, Mr. Tumnus? Just watch me. All of a sudden, Demi Morgan goes to work with his high-tech needle, thread, nuts and bolts toolkit as people gather round in fascination. Every second, more huddled due to the ever-increasing amount of water submerging the Botel. And remarkably, within ten minutes, Harry Bo Jenkins has become Harry Bo Billy Jenkins Mason. <laughs> the, two, the two men who pined for Adela have become one. It's your lucky day, Adela. It sure is. And it sure is good to be able to give my hooves a rest. But Demi, why isn't he awake yet? Give it time. Someone go and speak to him as if he were awake. Leave it to me. Garth slowly kneels back down to his friend Harry with his brand new Billy Mason legs. Wake up, dear Harry. <clears throat> it's your birthday. Ah, no. That's not working. It's St. Patrick's Day. No. Okay. How about this? Harry, wake up! I'm off to the pier in two minutes and I'm not waiting around for you. Still, Harry lies there still. Fine by me. Just don't come a-crying when I'm drinking all that cheap beer. 
Harry slightly twitches, urging Garth on with his plan. If you come, you can find me on the roller coaster with Sick on my silky pyjamas, or riding horses on the beach. Right in the... Suddenly Harry bolts straight up. Right in the bleeding surf. His accent is now a strange mix between his previous Irish accent and, <laughs> and Billy's Cockney slur. It worked. Garth, you did it. Come here and give me a kiss, my hunk of a half-man. One, one, one <laughs> big sloppy hit and miss coming right up. Hit and miss. So <laughs> hit and miss. Kim. Cock- <laughs> yeah, I, I can read it. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep up. About seven different accents in You're here. doing really well. Hit and miss? Cockney rhyming slang for kiss. Sounds like part of our Billy lives on too. Everyone begins to cheer and Adela and Harry Bow Billy passionately kiss, but the celebrations are brought to a swift close as suddenly the boat tells... remember that the boat's sinking. <laughs> <laughs> suddenly the boat, the boat tells takes a rapid bolt and is finally submerges into the lake. Everyone is swimming for their lives. Everyone but Klukas who struggles to stay afloat. Fuck! Klukas! Klukas can't swim, people. Surely we all know Urgu is landlocked and there's no concept of swimming there. Didn't any of you pay one iota of attention in geography lessons? Quick, put them on my back. Horses are strong swimmers. Klukas reappears and hangs on to Adela for dear life. <gasps> Ay, Dios mío, muchas gracias, señora. You saved my life. How could I ever repay you? Klukas, fuck repaying Adela. You're the one person here who can repay us all. The only one who can save our shinking speck. Dwight! Dwight is the one who became the iceberg that sunk the hotel after Harry's command. But he also obeys you, Klukas. You need to command him to transform one more time. But we all know that icebergs cannot hear. That's true, I know. But he does not need ears to hear you. He's your apron, after all. Just try for the love of Yahweh. <laughs> Just try for the love of Yahweh. Yes, Klukas, please. If not for yourself, then for us, your friends. Okay. Dwight, I command you to shapeshift. Nothing happens. He needs more guidance, Klukas. Tell him what you want him to shapeshift into. Use your creative in mind. Okay, here it goes. <clears throat> Dwight, I command you to become a giant Urgian eagle, <laughs> like the ones we rode as ninos, and then I want you to sweep us up all up on your big eagle wings and fly us to safety. No, fly us home. Home to Urgia. <sighs> Klukas, are you sure about that? I didn't think Urgia was even a real place. I thought it was just a typo. Yes, Klukas, I need to lock up the muck and scum tonight. Yes, I'm sure. We need to leave Sinclair. After all this, all the evil that has permeated our lives, we need to move on, move to somewhere peaceful, happy, beautiful, where we can all flourish and be the beautiful, incredible humans and half-humans I know we can be. I think you'll find it rather nice there, actually. <laughs> they all laugh, and suddenly, amongst their laughter, Dwight, the iceberg, becomes Dwight, the giant Urgian eagle. He elegantly sweeps up all the Botel survivors with his huge, regal wings and sets up into the sky, flying to safety. But it turns out he forgot someone. Wait, what's that? For in the distance swims a majestic half-human, half-fish-like creature. Dwight swoops down to collect it, and only when it gets closer do we see that the creature is wearing a knitted tartan bikini. The creature is none other than Betty, the legendary manager of the Botel La Vida. I say, what a bloody mess! Mind you, good job Dwight sank the Botel, otherwise I wouldn't have been able to swim to safety. We lost an awful lot of creatures back there. She takes off her tartan knitted beret out of respect. 
Betty, why on earth are you a fish? I thought Gertie turned you into a half-woman, half-pussycat. Like any experiment, sometimes our operations didn't go as planned. Just like our podcasts. <laughs> I guess I must have accidentally given her the catfish injection instead of the cat one. Oh well, guess I saved one more life than I thought I did today. What a nice man I am. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone all, loves drowning. <laughs> no, they're flying on the eagle now. Oh, right, they're aboard, they're aboard. Everyone laughs aloud as our heroes fly off majestically on Dwight the Giant Eagle to the mythical land of Ergia. We hear one last mighty celebratory neigh from <laughs> the as they disappear into the distance and leave us all thinking, what a beautiful mess of a murder mystery play. <laughs> Scene. Oh, wow, we. Should we push on with this final bit? I don't know. I mean, I want to know how you feel about all that drama that just hit you. I really thought you'd forgotten about Betty. <laughs> I thought... <laughs> I, I won't lie, I was kind of looking forward to saying at the end of the episode, well done, you forgot Betty. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's lovely, her being a fish, but sad all the other animals died. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Did I have much of an emotional attachment to them? No. Can't say. They, were, sort of, they were sort of... They were quite I, menacing in the last yeah, episode. Yeah, I definitely forgot about either. them. The eagle. Mm. Lovely. Bit of Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Maybe. No, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, 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 definitely. I, haven't yeah. seen, I haven't seen Lord of the Rings, so I can't confirm. What do you mean you haven't really? seen Lord of the Rings? No, I haven't. What? I know, I know. I know. How could a storyteller as good as this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tolkien came up with the eagle thing too. Did he? Oh, interesting, actually. Yeah. I've genuinely never seen I it. I guess we inhabit similar. <laughs> Similar fields. It got quite political again there, didn't it? The whole... I liked his yeah, there speech. There was something political. Gertie sort of summed up Niceberg theory in that speech. Oh, yeah, that was it. That the, was the whole nice. kind of The spectacle. That. that was why I thought it was quite Trump-like. Right. It was that whole kind of, it's just a one big act and it's not. And there's nothing real to yeah. it. It's just a distraction. Everything's nothing. Their Everything death is nothing. was a bit of a whimper. Yeah, I know. But it's Philip, the big enemy of the series, just smoked a bit of crack and then fell overboard. <laughs> it's whoever, whoever, someone else brought that into the story. Hey. What, a crack? Yeah, you. Yeah. I think so. Is that the key? Likes that's his... not the main point here, though. No, but exactly. <laughs> but in, when he gets stressed, that was his one Achilles heel: drugs. I also have a question. Ate glass like yeah. she used to. Yeah. And that killed her. Yeah. I like that. Okay, cool. You weren't not so keen bit. on the crack. <laughs> Garth really came into it. <laughs> yeah, Garth. Garth came to the fore. I'm glad that Garth didn't die. To be yeah, honest. Garth's yeah. probably my favourite character. He's my yeah. favourite bit. But one thing about the Harry, crack, though, Harry I... and uh, Billy morph together is genius. That is genius. But I have a question about that. Go. Because Harry was sliced in half, mm. but his legs were still there. Yeah, but so who needs them? But there's nothing to prevent them from going back on. Yeah, but once we'd I identified think... that the sewing was on the table, well, they could turn Betty back into a human with them. Yeah, potentially. They're just. But well, I, they're, I suppose surplus. That's human actually that's legs, a very good they? point. And one, but let's just imagine amongst all the chaos, they somehow they were missing. Off. Yeah, probably slipped off decks. <laughs> they fell off. With the, <laughs> yeah, Philip said that. Philip grabbed them. That was just Charlie down. was tidying up. Yeah, yeah. and they, yeah. they fell off the boat. <laughs> off the boat. Because I knew you guys would get upset if I completely killed Billy and his just legs were flapping away. I like Harry Bo Billy. I really like that. Yeah. That's yeah. lovely. Um, but there's... Because also, I didn't like Harry that much. I want him to suffer a bit. He was a bit mm. of a madman. Yeah. He was a bit brutal. Well, he was going to kill Garth. Well, he's, he was the one who... He tried to kill Garth. <laughs> Garth is the most forgiving man in the whole <laughs> He's infatuated. Yeah, he's in love. And he's, he's like black totally and charred, charred from the sauna. Yeah. 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 I could have played him a bit more charred, actually. No, I, I want to go back. No, you did. You did. You did. Considering how many actions you had to do there, um, yeah. Felix, I think you did really well. Thanks. Chrissy, you too. 
Side but I've actually, if you turn over, I've, there's a little epilogue there, so you can find out what happened to our, um, Let's do our it. heroes. What's an epilogue? An epilogue is um, basically, yeah, I suppose, it's a sort of the ending, ending. But not yeah, the, the ending. Yeah. Actually, ending it's, the new, the it's kind of the new beginning, if you will. Yeah, yeah exactly. We had an epilogue on the uh, in the, yeah. in the last, last one, one and well. it kind of propels the story into the future, just so you can like, find out like the result. Ties up a few loose ends. To be honest, I'm really glad that we've got one, albeit under half a page. Yeah, well. Sometimes it's all you need. Tolkien only used half a couple of pages. <laughs> half a couple of pages. <laughs> he goes half a couple of pages. Probably my favourite writer, actually. <laughs> right, let's do it. I want to know what happened. Scene seven. The epilogue. You'd probably kill them all off, wouldn't you? Mystery, murder, mystery. Do, 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 do. <laughs> We open on a beautiful, warm, Ergian evening. Under the bright turquoise sky, Klukas, Kim and Garth play a game of Ergian three-way chess <laughs> on the purple grass while Adela and Harry Bow Billy swim in the Golden River and Stefan and Claire sit transfixed in each other's arms, playing on Ulrich the Game Boy. Life is good. You forgot about him. <laughs> you yeah. never got any lines, did <laughs> And checkmate, or as they say in Ergia, Cheque Chiquito. Muy bien, Kim. I tell you, you're not just a great concierge, you're a fine Urgian chess player. The finest in this very hotel establishment. Well, I'm delighted to call the Hotel Muck and Scum my home. And you all my family. Salut. To us. Salut. And as the celebrations kick on, we see Betty, the human catfish, leading a group of hotel staff all of them ex-captives of Philip St. Hutchinson's laboratory, setting up dinner for hotel guests. We see the half-worm, half-child clumsily <laughs> lay on the table, his muddy drool soiling the plates. But no one minds, because these people, who once suffered at the hands of pure evil niceness, are finally liberated in a carefree, mythical land of happiness and peace that for once is truly nice. Lovely. Very so they good. all survived. They all survived. They, they went survived. to Urgia. They went to Urgia. I tell you what, the epilogue is really, really, you know, there's a, what's the word? Closure. Yeah, conclusive. Re- a really, really good closure. Really ties up nice. And that is a lovely, all they ever wanted was to work in a nice hotel. And yeah. it's like this nice Urgian hotel. The only one who lost out was our dear Billy, really. Yeah, he's well, he's, he's got Adela. Yeah, he's and there. And it's his bottom it's his half. his bottom half. Exactly. Hey, exactly. wink, wink, nudge, wink, nudge. Wink, yeah. Oh man! And um, what was I about to say? Betty Garth still is in love with Harry, I bet, but he gets to—it's not really Harry anymore, fully. So maybe the Billy bit puts him off. Maybe he was he, only in love with the bottom half. Exactly. Maybe he top, bot, yeah, bottom. In half. his yeah. negligee when he used to go around the. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> the main thing is maybe Garth has got his obsession with uh, three-way chess now. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's his love. They. Um, that was. To the thoroughly researched, to the letter, and a beautiful ending. It was. Did I do justice to your kind of th- your kind of quite complex ending you left me? I think so. I mean, I, not the case of doing justice. Yeah, yeah I think it was the, like I, shit I heap you, that yeah, I left. I would agree with that. Cool. You finished this lovely world that you've created. You've no, now, the lovely world that Felix created. Cre- he well, created a, this beautiful Urgia, which was like. Oh true. no, I know, <laughs> but I mean your season. Your yeah, I know, but I, I, no, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, but the beautiful. You're world all great. Was, You're all brilliant. Was, really, really yeah, good. Yeah. Um, I, I've enjoyed this season a lot. Me I too. Have, I've got one last. Oh, here we go. Well, oh, I've still got criticisms. Yeah. Okay, come on. Come what on. Salut. Huh? What's salut? Salut. Cheers. It could be. It's probably Urgian or something. 
You read it seductively it's, fr- it's French, isn't it? No, that's high. No. Salut, Santé. Yeah, whatever, mate. It's, it's Italian. Italian. They're in fucking Ergia. I could have fucking said it. I could have said anything, and it could. I could have got away with it. I'm just sad that the bosses weren't killed traditionally. They just fell off. I know, I know, I know. But to be honest, is that not a kind of more sorry way to go hanging on to your wife's kind of <laughs> dick? Months ago, and, <laughs> that's how I want to go and out. Literally, <laughs> and, and literally, everyone. Good way to go. The the person who lets you go is the one person you've dedicated your whole nice life to. Mm. And he's the one who lets you down because he's such a crackhead. Mm. And that's his one weakness. Because there was a part of me who was actually... One weakness. um, Otherwise... Otherwise he was seamless. There was a part of me who was going to take the story in like a stupid thing that that, that, the nice things actually code for like a a big drug cartel and like go into the international. And that's what NI is like Narcotics International Corporation. But then I thought I would have just got in too deep. Do you know what I do like is that this theory, this nice bug theory clearly just fell apart. It doesn't stand up. It did all just crumble off the Mm -hmm. side of the boat. Exactly. Like the theory. It's not like it needed this big other power to... Oppress it, and I think you really knew what you were doing there. The po- the political side of your writing really, really, really shining there. Thank you very much. How much do you think Donald Trump and uh, you know the current political situation influence your writing? Probably, probably quite Charlie a lot. Warner here on, uh, <laughs> Charlie Warner here. Charlie Warner. Current political. Oh, on LBC. Yeah. Um, I guess I guess it probably did a little bit. Just the whole. I suppose the one the kind of. The, the way people just follow blindly into things which make no sense, maybe. Mm. Maybe that's a little bit. Mm. Also... So you're saying that Donald Trump and his uh, his White House don't make any sense? Let's just say I think he's a nice guy. Oh. Oh. We'll see you next series. <laughs> OK. OK, then bye. OK, bye. this is Christy, Charlie and Felix uh, signing off in the season. We'll see you next time. Murdering, Mr. Murdering